Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. My name is Rachel Stevens, and I'm here with my husband, Zach. We have the incredible privilege and honor of being part of the leadership here at Faith Promise Church. And our goal is really to equip you and help you walk in the purpose that God has for you so you can ultimately win your world. Mm -hmm. And we're really excited to talk about our final value today of win our world. And I thought it might be fun to talk about winning. 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 So, Zach, you have played a lot of sports. I have. So you know what it feels like to win. I do. Tell me about your yeah. greatest win. Oh, man. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I went to Carnes High School, the Mighty Beavers, uh, which is a terrible mascot. We were not very good at Did football. Did you just like munch? Like Don't a, worry it like a about it. No, it doesn't seem like a place to stop. I wish uh, I could make like a beaver sound. <laughs> They just slap their tails. <laughs> they just slap their tails. To what look is a beaver sound? Menacing. I don't know. Well, oh, well, the first thing that came to my mind was like a chipmunk sound, but a chipmunk sound is not a beaver sound. See, first, but beavers like slap bad, their tails. But now it's you. <laughs> they like slap their tails. Oh, do they? Mm-hmm. When they're patting down the mud on their. Oh my gosh! Hands. Okay, moving on. Moving on. All right. Um. So <laughs> the menacing beaver. We did mighty. Beavers, thank you. Um, but we uh, were bad at football. I play football and rugby. Um, and so uh, fo- rugby, we were great. Uh, we had some good ones there. But actually, more recently, I've been taking up golf. <gasps> you we, have. We've been doing that together. We did. We, we did yeah, do it we, together. We, I play incredible. Really good. And you I'm look, amazing. And you look great while you I you're look doing amazing it, out there. I got some golf it. outfits, and I am slaying it. But golf is one of those things because it's not like it's, it's not like one game. It's almost like hole to hole. And so, the other day, I shot. Good. The other day, I shot a forty-one on the first nine holes, uh, which for now, me, for those of us who don't know about golf, is amazing. Is that good? Uh, well, for a good golfer, it's not really like like for an amateur golfer. Yeah. It's so wonderful. Like, Good is 36. So I shot 41, right? So it's so it's five over. So okay. uh, which is the best I've ever shot. So okay. I think I'm about to like set my my record. Mm-hmm. And I just just I I'm the worst on the back. And so like it was just this deal of like, well, I won, I was doing so good. And then I crashed and burned mm. on the back end. So really depressing sometimes. <laughs> so there's no reason to share. Any things that I do when nope. I don't play well? I'm not going to say anything because okay. I love you and I honor my husband. I appreciate that. <laughs> I have not experienced a lot of winning in my <clears throat> life. Two reasons. One, I don't play sports often um, because I'm not good at them and people don't invite me to do it because I am not good at them. It's not. You are not good at them. <laughs> that, like, I, I don't, Ouch. I don't want to dispute that. Actually. I don't think you're actually articulating how bad you are I'm at them. So bad. But the issue is that you don't care. Oh yeah, I don't care that I'm not good. So I'm just that, glad people let me show up and play. Well, that's why we don't let you continue to show up and play. I know it's other people have but a competitive nature. I'm showing up and playing, and playing. it doesn't matter when you're in golf because like you're in your own man team. It doesn't matter your own man team. Yeah. Today like, I well, it took me eight swings <laughs> to get instead of a one a man team four. your own man team. I'm my own man team. Anyway, we love winning. Everybody likes to win. I think everyone wants to feel like a winner. Um, A lot of us struggle with insecurity maybe in our younger years because we feel like a loser. Mm -hmm. I literally do 
lose everything. But everybody's focused on winning somewhere. Yeah, and we love um, we love to win here at Faith Promise. We love to celebrate when people win. Um, anytime there's a victory. And we believe that God, because of his grace and his mercy and his son, Jesus, he says that you're more than an overcomer. You're the head and not the tail. You are a winner. You're on God's team and God's team always wins. Mm -hmm. And we are really pumped about the special, um, you know, people ask like, hey, what makes Faith Promise unique? You had actually met with a pastor a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying, hey, what is it that you're doing that is creating this evangelistic surge that's coming out of your church? And it's this value of win our world. Mm -hmm. So would you just unpack for me a little bit? What does that mean? Yeah. So we talked, uh, We've talked a little bit in the last couple of podcasts how desperate we are, not only for people to know Jesus, but also for Christ followers uh, who, again, do know Jesus to live in such a way where they bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, where they live in such a way because we will be judged for what we do with this life, what we do with what God has given us. You know, the whole parable of the talents, uh, I think that's in Matthew 23. Like, we'll, we'll be held accountable for that. Mm -hmm. And so we want to create a culture where people, and not just a culture like we say it, but a value that we live, where people are people are held accountable, people are encouraged and equipped to bring the kingdom. And there's not anything that brings the kingdom more than the gospel. And when I say the gospel, I'm talking about sharing the fact that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And so, first of all, before we get into like, hey, what does that exactly mean? I think it's important to note that this matters to Jesus. Um, it, it did like us winning the world matters to Jesus. Why can you say that? Well, you know, in Matthew 28, uh, verses 17 through 20, one of the last things he said to disciples, he says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, therefore go. So he got all the authority and what he's handed to us and said, now go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I've commanded you. So, hey, introduce them to Jesus, baptize them, and then teach them. That's why for us, again, it goes love God, love people, discover purpose, and win your world. As you win your world and you introduce people to Jesus, you're going to take them back around this flywheel with you. So as you introduce somebody to Jesus, you're you're teaching them to love God, and then you'll teach them to love people. And so that that's part of what's so special about this. Like church, the revival, it's not, it's not complicated. It, it's not easy, but it's not complicated. And so, so that's why I could say that. And then just one more thing, the very last thing that Jesus says in Acts 1-8 before he ascends, in Acts 1-7 and 8, uh, first in verse 7, he says, it's not for you to know the times and dates which the Lord has set before. And the reason that's important is they were asking a question a lot of us ask when we ask, hey, when's Jesus coming back? Is this the end time? Yada, yada, yada. And Jesus essentially says, hey, that's none of your business. That's not for you to worry about. Um, and then he goes on in verse 8 to say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, which is part of our purpose, the purpose we want to discover. You will receive uh, power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And going back to what we talked about two weeks ago, uh, we talked about in Luke 10, when people went out and they brought the kingdom of heaven, when they won their world, it filled Jesus with joy. And so those are some of the places that I go back to, that this is what Jesus wants us to do. These are the last commands he gave whenever he was leading with people. This is what filled him with joy. And so Jesus wants us to win our world, uh, to win the world to Jesus. So what he said we, we would do, 
And then, so, but just to answer your original question, what does it mean to win the world? Because you could say that, hey, it's really churchy, inside language, hey, win the world. Well, it's an acronym, W-I-N, you know, so, hey, we want you to win your world. So, W-I-N, first is who is next? So, who is next for you to impact for eternity? Who is next that you're going to share your faith with? And then, what is next? So, the win-win, living a win-win life. So, who is next? And what is next? And that what is next is what's the next thing God's called you to do to grow in your relationship with Him. Again, it leads us back to love God. The things that we do uh, that 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 lead us into like this more intimate, like what is next with God, it leads us back into loving God, back into loving people. And again, that it creates this spiritual kingdom momentum in our life. Sorry, it's more than you asked for. I guess no, so, I, I think so it's excited. great. It's so, I think it's really exciting. And you never outgrow the need for who is next and what is right. next in your life. No matter where you are in your walk with Christ, uh, whether you're just starting out and you're uh, just learning how to honor and serve God, you can always ask, hey, who is next in my life to impact for the kingdom? And then what is my next step mm-hmm. um, in obedience to the Lord? And I just really, I love that. You know, I really would, I think that for us, it requires quite a focus shift as believers. Yeah. I think a, a lot of times we, and it is important that we love God. It's one of our values. And I think sometimes though we believe the idea of being a Christian is only to be in relationship with God and worship God. And we're going to do that for eternity and be with him forever. That's why God designed us. But he didn't leave us just there, right? And Jesus tells, and I'd love for you to unpack a little bit of that parable of the talents where Jesus, he gives, uh, he tells the story of these three servants who have Mm -hmm. been given different amounts of money. And I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about that for us and how we can really see that in our own life. Hey, how can we honor the Lord with the gifts that he's given us and walk in obedience today. Yeah. And and I know you and I talked about this, so I know you have at least one part of that parable that you're really passionate about. But um, I think that something that's so important it, when it comes to that specific parable is it's not about, it's not about comparing with other people. Oh yeah. Um, you mm-hmm. know, cause you've got, you have the talent, the guy with five, you have the guy with two, you have the guy with one. But the important part is at the end, um, whenever Jesus does take, or the, the master takes the the talent away from the guy who had one he said give it to the one who has five um and it's because to whom to whom people are the people who are faithful they'll be given more and so um and i think something that's really important because actually i'm almost positive that's matthew 23 and so but what that is is that 25 the wicked slave is it, is it 25 yes matthew 25 okay so so close that's the one that has that'll have uh, yeah, that's right. Because it has the parable of the lost coin. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, the virgins, the, the 10 virgins that weren't ready. It's got that. And then it has the separation of the sheep from the goats. And so Jesus even brings up this parable of the loss of, of the of the talents. And the next thing he goes into is when the, the parable of, or I don't think it's a parable necessarily, but the separated people who have Jesus and don't. Mm-hmm. So the talent that God is most concerned with, the, the currency that it really lasts in eternity. It's all it's people. Right. Nothing else is going to last. So at, at the beginning, we said everybody wants to win at something. Well, the what I'd like to encourage us to take inventory of is is what we are winning in affecting 
eternity, affecting the kingdom, affecting people's like eternal reality. Mm-hmm. Like there, there was a point where I was really like aggressive about growing my social media, and it really meant a lot to me. And I, I was spending a lot of time. And then I just, I, you, but you, and that was one for me where I, I would say I got distracted. But what is it for us that distracts us? What are we trying to win at that is not um, eternity focused? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something you said earlier. You said um, you talked about uh, like uh, our focus and something that that we talked about is we live with a different reality, not in a different reality. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's an important distinction. So first, there's either people who are so there's a there's a term there's a quote I forget who it's by. But it says that some Christians are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Right. Um, and that means that they're either they're so righteous, they're not around any lost people or they're so judgmental. They're, they can't be standard by lost people. Mm-hmm. And so like we live with a different reality, not in a different reality. And so our reality is the only thing that matters to God is people. Right. Um, and where the, where they spend eternity. Um, and so I, I think that 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 matters. And then again, I think in John. John 17, where it's the Last Supper and Jesus is praying over them, and He prays that they would be in the world but not of the world, and mm-hmm. that He says that ju- He says just as you sent me, I send them, mm. um, and God sent Him to, I mean, to give His last breath for people. So I mean, that's that's what He sent us to do too. So, uh, but yeah, that that's what that's what winning the world means for for me, part of it, but. Yeah, so I think I, the focus is huge. So you have talked about how to live this win our world life. And there are these handles that you and the team have really prayed over and asked the Lord to anoint. And they really help us show the transformation that we've experienced. Because if you're doing these handles, you've experienced transformation. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that idea of win our world and the handles that go along with it? Yeah. And again, these handles, which we'll talk about our favorite ones, but these handles are made to be very practical to things for you to develop yourself in and, and people around you so that, you know, you do, you you win your world. But before we do that, again, we talked about these statements that go with it, you know. And so last week or two weeks ago, we talked about Discover Purpose, and that statement was we are passionate about living out God's purpose. And the one the, the statement that goes with win your world is we live to hear well done. And so I, it, I, it's a great question. What are you living for? You know, God has designed us to uh, to – accomplish amazing things in the old testament the tower of babel you know they like god said when he looked at mankind and they were united unfortunately you they were united around an idol unto themselves and so god said hey with with them united nothing is impossible for them like we're we are designed to do amazing things Mm. but what are we putting those amazing things towards you know um, it, it bothers me like the most innovation and the most creativity is not coming from the church. You know, um, it, it's around, again, what populating Mars, Elon Musk, like doing these crazy things, which is I love it. I love watching. I love being inspired by it. But I just wish the most inspiring things were coming out of the church uh, mm. and, and a, a desire to win your world, to yeah. win the world. But my favorite handle, if I had to pick one, which is, which is really hard, I love we discover, develop and deploy winners into the world. Um, you know, one on here is, you know, we lead people to what is next and who is next, which we've talked about. But the reason I like we discover, develop and deploy winners into the world and a winner is somebody that lives that who is next and what is next lifestyle. But um, I, I really love the thought of men and women of God living a life to discover, develop and deploy 
world winners, mm-hmm. world changers. And again, whether you're a mom or a dad doing it with your kids or with your spouse or with a friend, wherever it might be, but living with the mindset of, hey, I want to discover and develop and deploy world winners into the world um, is very, very exciting to me. And then again, it leads back to what we talked about last week in the podcast. Like it, it leads to multiplication revival and not just to addition, you know, people getting saved in the service, which we'll celebrate, you know, we're going crazy about anybody that gets saved. It's amazing. But when we extrapolate out what we pray God does reaching, starting with 1% of the state of Tennessee, then we need to live and li- we need to live, lead and love with a culture that multiplies ministry. You know, I really love that we, we have this handle that says we win with character and not compromise. And one of the ways that I see I've been able to win my world is because I just, I live differently, literally the way I talk about my husband. And you've talked about this, you know, we, the way we talk about our spouse, how much we're able to love each other, how committed we are to each other, um, the way we talk about parenting and leading our children, the way we talk about our time with the Lord, but also like how we choose to spend our money in the things we watch and don't watch. And the words that we speak, we have character that's allowed us to show people who God is. And because we chose to stay set apart and not compromise on the things that God's asked of us, people sit up and they take notice and they go, wow, that is different. We um, we have our kid is on a, a peewee football team. And um, one of the things that Zach and I notice is um, – there some of the the ways that families just interact together in the way that we speak over our child in the way that Zach and I interact with each other is different than some of the other families and that people have started to take notice and just conversations are starting to begin but it's really incredible to watch how when we choose to lead with love and to speak you know speak life and truth that all of that starts to set a different tone for the people around us that, hey, there's yeah. something different. And it shows it's a mark of transformation and right. it helps you win your world. Oh, yeah. Well, it goes back to, you know, what we talked about last time with Matthew 10 and Luke 10, where he said, when you go places, say the kingdom of heaven has come near. So mm-hmm. when we go to the football field or whatever, whatever it might be, the kingdom of heaven should come there too. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is really important for people to know. And and hopefully this triggers some people. I, I hope it does. But um, in... Matthew 25 in that parable, um, the third servant, he calls lazy. Mm. And I've always been pretty struck because if I were to call somebody lazy, that bother them. Most people would be bothered if I said, hey, you're lazy. Um, but I think something that's important to know is I don't think this servant was lazy in the ways that we think of lazy. Because first of all, the master saw enough potential in this person. And it was like, it was like, um, it was almost, I think it was like a year's worth of wages, like right. the, the amount of money that that talent was. It was a lot of money. And so he saw something in him, right? And then that servant, he wasn't destitute. Like, like and it says the master was gone for a while. So this guy wasn't late. He wasn't lazy. Like he didn't work and he, did, he didn't. He didn't use the master's yeah, money wrongly. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. So he wasn't, I don't think he was lazy in the ways of we think, hey, he's late to work. He's you know, doing this stuff, all that kind of stuff. I think he was lazy because he didn't focus on what mattered. Mm. He was for, he's worried about the king, about his own stuff instead of the the instead of the master's work. And I I I'm concerned. We have a lot of people toiling 
We have a lot mm. of people uh, striving instead of thriving. And it's going to be a real bummer whenever they're called a wicked, lazy slave, like a wicked, lazy servant. Like I, I, I just think it's something for you to stop and consider. Well, what do you live for? You asked the question, you know, is if we're winning our world, we live to hear God say, well done. And that comes from, it talks about judgment, right? That term well done. And what is that moment? Um, what happens at judgment? Zach, would you just kind of give us an idea of where that idea of well done comes from? Yeah. And again, so like, well, well done is from that passage right there in Matthew 25, when it says that, when it says, uh, hey, these two servants, the the ter- servant with five talents and the servant with two talents, whenever they, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. But again, and there's a couple of places where it talks about judgment and uh, there's one, I'm, I'm, space and it's not it's not first corinthians 12 there's a spot in corinthians where it talks about we'll give we'll give an account for the what we've been given um so you have that but then over here on in that same parable in that same passage in matthew 25 when it talks about the separation of the sheep and the goats like there there is a heaven there's a hell and so i, I and i'm not sure if this is what you were want me to talk about but i'll share my faith this last weekend uh, with a guy who said he was uh he was uh what's it called uh, Catholic. And, uh, you know, and most Catholics believe that it's their good works, you know, that's going to get them into heaven or like that, hey, they'll only spend a certain amount of time in purgatory, and, you know, if they're good. And I just said, hey, I don't I don't see purgatory in the Bible. You know, I, I, I can't find that. Uh, but that, that's a different podcast for a different time. Um, but he he we we're talking about it and he inevitably said, I don't see how a loving God could send people to hell to be separated forever. And I just said, hey, I, I get that. Uh, that, that. That's been a struggle for me. Some people I really care about that's been hard, but God is perfect. Like we, everybody that will believe in God, they'll concede that. For him to be God, he's perfect. And he is perfect in love. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about in the love God value. Like right. he loves us not because of what we do for him or how we make him feel. He loves us. God is love. We love because he first loved us. Like he is, he is the, he is the nucleus, the core, the creation of love. And it's so pure and unadulterated. We can't quite understand it in this earthly form, right? Uh, so you, you have that. But since he's perfect, that means he is perfect in every aspect. Since he's perfect in his love, he's also perfect in perfect in his justice. Since he's perfect in his justice, there has to be a payment for the wrongs that have been done. And the, when we say the wrongs, we're talking about Romans 3.23, for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And so really what you can't do is you can't say, hey, a, 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 you, if you say that uh, a God loves us too much to send people to hell, what you're saying is parts of the Bible aren't true. Now you could try to you could try to fight that and say, well, that it was it was written by men and men make mistakes. Well, in in 2 Timothy 3:16, it says that all scripture is God breathed for reproach, for teaching. So right. all scripture is God breathed. So I'm I'm very concerned, very, very uh it, it makes me nervous when people start picking and choosing what they want to believe. And to say that God is too loving not to send people to hell is picking and choosing parts of the Bible. It's picking Jesus himself in Matthew 25. Uh, and and, and that, there's other places. It's, it's, uh, it's Luke 9 or 10 where there's parts where he said, depart from me, I never knew you. 
you know? And so like biblically hell is a reality. Um, and so again, maybe that, I hope that, that answers your question about, Hey, what does yeah. it mean judgment? Like, what does that mean? And obviously there's a lot more to it, but I think that's a pretty base, a uh, pretty base starting place for us. Do we believe that there's a hell? Do because there's people in my life that I love that I still they still don't know Jesus and I text them once a week that I'm praying for them. Hey, you know, can I do anything for you? But you know, so I mean, I I, I get concerned sometimes. Hey, how does God feel about where I'm spending my time? Mm, you mm. know, because He's so passionate. Paul said in Romans nine one through three, He says that He is in anguish over His brothers and sisters who are far from God. He said that He would give up His place if they could know him, you know, and then Jesus in, in, in Acts, in Acts, uh, in Acts 13, 46, he refers back to, um, Isaiah 46. And it says it's too small a thing for just Israel to know salvation. It's, it's supposed to go to the ends of the earth. And mm-hmm. so I, for us, if we think, well, I've witnessed to everybody I know, my family, then in God's eyes, it's too small a thing. He said it was too small a thing for a nation, only a nation to know Jesus, much less you and your buddies, you know? And so, I, and again, I'm, I'm just, these are the things that I pray through to ask God and the Holy Spirit to give me their, like, like his eyes yeah. for people that are far from him. So yeah. again, maybe more than you asked for, but when it comes to judgment, when it comes to the reality of heaven and hell, mm. if you're going to build your life on the Bible, then you have to build your life on the fact that at the end of people's lives, there will be a clear separation, uh, you know, uh, from that. So. And you as a believer will be held accountable for what you did with what God gave you. Right. And our heart is that you would not you would not get to heaven and recognize that you did nothing with what God gave you. Yeah. Well, hey, let's just pray really quick. We just want to pray for you, that God would bless you, and that he would help um, just adjust our focus. Let's just go to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. God, we just love you so much. And we know that your desire is that no one should perish, um, but that they would walk in relationship with you and ultimately in eternity forever. So Father, we just ask right now that you adjust our focus. We are so self-focused or our focus has just been distorted to just spend time and energy on one portion of our walk with you. But you have revealed to us and made it clear in your word that you have designed us for so much more, that there's an abundant life full of fruit for us and that that fruit is designed to, that transformation that we experience is designed to impact the world around us. Father God, would you open our eyes to see, would we have soft hearts, a willing spirit, and Lord, um, would we have a boldness to walk in obedience as you open our eyes to things ahead of us? We love you, God. We give you permission to adjust every single part of us. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, hey, we love you and we really are so passionate about you discovering your purpose and walking in it. We can't wait to see you next time.